Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. My name's Lewis Tomlinson. As per usual, I'm joined by James Watson. Uh, how are you, pal? Yeah, pretty good. Um, bit of a sort of calm down over the last couple of weeks. We've, we normally this weekend's normally Sugar Cup weekend, so we'll take the positive out of this weekend that we don't have to see that. Uh, Thank however, God. <laughs> however, we have a jam-packed Phoenix Stakes and an interesting Maurice de Geest and plenty to talk about from Goodwood last week. So yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, the domestic stuff to preview is not. It's not as busy as, as it had been previously. Not like we said, Groupon's in Ireland and France, but there's, there'll be a lot to get stuck into and to dissect from Glorious Goodwood last week uh, last week as well. And I guess the place to start, Jim, is the first feature race of the week, the Goodwood Cup. And Stradivarius is just the coolest horse in training. He was superb, wasn't he? Um there was that slight moment of doubt, wasn't there, at the three pole? Was, is he going to get out? Is he going to get out? But Frankie always had trust underneath him, didn't he? And it, when he got out, he soon got going. He he just wanted to play for play for the crowd a bit, didn't he? Even though there wasn't any. Um, I mean, there's not a lot more than you can say that he is dominant in the division. If if anything that you'd like to to add on this point is that Nayef Rhodes ran an absolute cracker to finish second. Um, better than last time which we saw he was slight Todd Keane at Ascot uh, and he's dictated the fractions up front and he, he, he's run superbly to get the better of Santiago who would we say was, I, I was disappointed with Santiago's effort, effort I don't know about you Lewis uh, no I wasn't he's, he's, look he's probably run, run better there or as well as he did to win the Irish Derby mm. It wasn't a bona fide group one that mate. This is probably this is probably a more accurate barometer of how good a horse Saratoga. Uh, <laughs> you, you could tell a lot of time I recorded this and that got stateside on teller. What how good Santiago is than beating his own generation and let's be fair, not the cream of the crop of his generation in the Queen's Vars and the Irish Derby. Santiago went off as short a price as he did because the, he was he was a new rival for Stradivarius. Not because his form merited him to be that shot, because if there was going to be a horse in that race that would beat Stradivarius, it had to be Santiago because we already knew everyone else wasn't as good as him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd, and that, that's probably why, in the end, probably Stradivarius went off a, a quite a decent price. To be fair. Then he would, you know, for a horse who had achieved what he had achieved. I've more than a more than a moment, Jim. I thought he'd had the race lost, and I, I know he has a turn of foot, but I just didn't think he were getting out. I didn't think he were getting out. It was very different to Royal Ascot, where where you could see him toying with him, toying with Nayef Road, and kicking. But at Glory's good, I genuinely thought this is him beat. So glad he proved me wrong. Absolutely love him. Uh, and the arc is an export. Well, the end of season port of call, mate. What do you make of that? I think it's absolutely fascinating that they're going to give it a try. Um, we've seen Order of St George in recent years that be a strong stayer and drop down and run crackers in arcs before. Um, do I fancy him for the race? No, not really. 
Um, but you might as well. He's going to be retired at the end of this season. We all know that. And, and they won the weather of his million oh, bonus, whatever, before. So that's gone now. Money's, money's no object. It's just a, this is almost a season to just sit and enjoy Stradivarius for what he's done for racing in the last couple of years because he's been a proper flag bearer for the flat. Uh, and to and to keep him in training for until he was a, a six-year-old is superb. And uh, credit to Bjorn Nielsen for for doing that. And hopefully that we can see him. He might, he might be, there's the prep race that the names are, is it the pre Neil um, that he's going for before that. So it'll be interesting. Is it? It's the Neil the four. Yeah, Foy. Sorry, the French group race. He's always. They're always short names, and I always forget them. Um, yeah, you got that right. Uh, be interested to see how he fares there, but that will that be the last time we'll see him on English soil? Potentially, potentially. God, that'd be a shame, wouldn't it? But I mean, what else? Look, he, 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 he could probably win another two two gold cups. You know, he'd be eight in two years, but it is. It's, I'm going to rip off the old Sid Waddell. You know what he said about Eric Bristow with the, you know, the, uh, when Alexander of Macedon, was, you know, was 33, <laughs> he had salt tears because there were no more worlds to conquer. Instead of Eric, <laughs> only six. Yeah, that, that's the perfect way to put it. And hopefully he's even better at uh, stud. Yeah, and like you said, mate, Nayef Road, even though. I guess Stradivarius is the only Champions League sprinter. Uh, sprinter, sorry, stayer. Nayef Road is quite solidly the winner of the Europa League. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. But on, on everything he's done this year, he's quite clearly the second best stayer in Britain. And he's a, a likeable horse and he's going the right way. And I, you know, I laughed at you when, when you said you thought Nayef Road was going to be a group horse uh, last season. I tell you what, I couldn't, I couldn't laugh at you now, mate. He's, he's, he's done things really, really well. Yeah, 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 he has. And before we saw Stradivarius win as well, it was a good day for favourites at Goodwood. Uh, the, the main race on the undercard, the Lennox Stakes, the Group 2 over seven furlongs, was won by Space Blues. Uh, three out of three. Uh, back in Europe this season, Rani May dance out disappointingly before that. But I say since getting back to these shores, he's been very, very good, Jim, going the right way. You won't put him past him in a group one by the end of the season. No, certainly not. And you look forward to this weekend. He's got a, he has got an entry in the Morris de Geese, which is interesting. Um, I mean, I, I slightly didn't fancy him because the the way he's ridden, he's held up and he comes through. And and you see them hard luck stories at Goodwood in previous years. And I thought that he might be possibly one of them. But Willie Dewey gave him a lovely ride. Saw plenty of daylight on the outside and. Absolutely flash past. If if anything, I went for safe voyage, thinking that he'll get a cleaner run, and he and he got absolutely <laughs> no run whatsoever. Um, but Space Blues, I mean, this season he, he's proper dominated uh, the six and seven furlong division. Um, well, six and a half, seven furlong division. Um, I think he's interesting. We'll talk about him later in the Maurice de Geese. But that seven furlongs at Goodwood's just perfect for him, I think. That's tailor-made for him, that race. Um, 
and uh, he's getting, he's becoming more likable. Um, and hopefully he'll carry on progressing. I mean, Escobar, who I said might run a race at a decent price, has, has run fairly well, to be fair. Um, yeah, very good shout. He was hampered quite late on as well. Uh, stayed on slowly in, in what was a cracking week for David O'Mara. Um, I mean, once again, we're looking right down the field, and Pierre Lapin is disappointed. I wasn't exactly expecting a lot from him. Um, after that disappointing run in the Commonwealth, stepping up a furlong, but he's been mightily disappointing once again, and I just wonder what's gone wrong with him. The thing with Pierre Lapin for me, Jim, was that he always, whilst he did what he did was good, he he almost always to me looked like a two-year-old. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It it it, it doesn't. It never appealed to me as a sort of, of the most robust or the sort of horse who, even though he never had to get into a scrap, there are some horses that win that you that you see winning maidens and that, and you kind of think that horse would do all right if it came down to getting down into it. I never felt that with Pierre Lapin. You know, yeah. I, he's clearly not been right. The first two starts of the season because he's he's clearly regressed. But I know you were a bigger fan of him than I was. But I kind of felt this was a bit of a strange race to go for up against, you know, up against some fairly seasoned elders in a race that would play to most of the strengths. But yeah, back to the drawing board for Pierre Space Blues. I know I said I wouldn't put it past him winning a Group One this season. I think he'd need to improve again. He's not beaten a Group One horse yet in his career. No, but you could pick up a race at the Breeders' Cup with him. I wouldn't be surprised. He's a he's a horse that I think jet setting could be the way forward. Um, and I, I keep going back to every, sending everything to the Breeders' Cup, but that prize money this year is unreal in comparison to everywhere else. Um, oh, I was just about to say, mate. I've got we've got twelve minutes in, and it's the Watson Breeders' Cup mention. Everything, just send everything to the Breeders' Cup. Just go over there and beat them Americans. Do you think there should be a seven furlong group one in this country? Because in my head, that this might make no sense whatsoever. So apologies. But if you were to ask me, what's your favourite distance on the flat? I'd have said seven furlongs. However, I also don't. I also think we don't need a seven furlong group one in this country. I know. <laughs> I know. There's been a lot of calls for it, people saying, "Well, upgrade the Lennox." Really, it's a distance that is a cop out. It's the Ryanair. It's the Ryanair. I was about the, to compare it to the Aintree Hurdle, the, yeah, the two mile four. It's for horses who aren't quick enough to be sprinters and that don't stay well enough to be miles. The group twos are there and the good opportunities for them. But really, you, you're not. No one wants a seven furlong horse. <laughs> you never. No one dreams of winning the foray. Come mm-hmm. on. Keep them a group too, in my the opinion. The Niarcos family, mate. Speaking of the Niarcos family, Jim, their their Circus Maximus ran a really, really good race on Wednesday in the Sussex, but was no match for the new king of the Milers, Mohaffa, the race of the season. I think it lived up to its billing, Jim. Yeah, it certainly did. Um, I 
I mean, Circus Maximus went out in front. Um, he didn't go as quick as maybe some people were expecting. He, he set steady fractions out in front. Uh, Kamiko broke really well, and I thought he was going to be sitting quite forward early on, uh, which he did. He sat just just behind Circus Maximus on the rail, which obviously cost him probably a clear run, if anything. Um, Siskin and Mahatha sat more towards the back, but Mahatha sat on the rail. Uh, and then when when the tempo sped up to, with three furlongs to go, uh, Vatican City obviously went wrong and there was a slight issue with him. But San Donato travelled into the race, race very interesting. Uh, he blew up in the end. Uh, and then I thought Siskin was coming, uh, having Mahathan going to have to go around him. Uh, I thought Siskin got arguably the run of the race. And Mahatha come straight over the top with a serious, serious, serious turn of pace and nabbed them all in the dying stride. And certainly the performance that we sort of wanted from a horse in, the, in this division that could proper put a stamp on it. Um, the only slight disappointing part about this race was we didn't get to see the best of Kamiko. He basically finished on the bridle, having not getting a clear run. Uh, with over a furlong out, uh, and he was given an easy race in the end. That's my only question mark with the form of this race. I thought Circus Maximus ran a cracker, uh, as he always does, and Mahatha it seems to be, as you said, a certain star in the division, and another one that's going to be lining up for the Breeders' Cup mile. Yeah, uh, that should suit him down to the ground, really, shouldn't it, mate? I mean, Coming off a bend and, and having that sort of toe-in where he can angle out and utilise his turn of foot. He's a proper, proper weapon. Yeah. Uh, in second, Jim Circus Maximus, again, doesn't... I don't. I, I think he's starting to get the credit he deserves. It was as big as eights as the night before, which was an insult, but like, like I, I said on Twitter that I thought eights were too big, but I still didn't want to touch him at eights. Uh, ended up going off 6-1 to one, which was a little bit more reasonable and again he'd been game enough to hold off the Chargers Siskin for second what do you make of the place horses in behind yeah I, I think Circus Maximus ran possibly better than what he did in the Queen Anna Ascot because um, yeah, it was uh, everyone would have thought that Siskin would have got past Circus Maximus in the end he, he was travelling and when he got going in that swooping action right over the top that we've seen so many times at Goodwood um and Circus Maximus just kept rallied on that rail, kept going, and I think it was a superb performance for him. Um, Siskin, it'd be hard to say he weren't disappointed with Siskin. Um, I, I thought everything went his way, and he still didn't win, which I, so, I sort of wanted him to... Out of the two, Mahatha and Siskin, that were at the top of the market, I wanted Siskin to stamp his authority on, on the... Uh, on the division, if I'm being honest, and I was probably slightly disappointed. Um, maybe the travelling over to England we, we saw last season, he got withdrawn at the start, he wasn't exactly the easiest. Maybe that might be a problem, but that's just many questions. Question no, I don't think it was. Um, it, to me, there was no indication me. he was wrong at Goodwood. No, me neither. It's just me looking for little poke holes in it. Um, but I think... If he avoids the other three horses that were closely in behind, he'll, he'll be picking up more races soon. And Kamiko, obviously, disappointment. 
having not really getting a clear run, and you still don't really know how good he is. Uh, I mean, in that Guineas, he, he was in, in mightily impressive. And in the derby, it showed he just didn't stay. In this race, it's it's shown once again, where would he have actually finished with a clear run? Um, I possibly think he might have been second or been... I think he might have won, I'm going to say it. I think Kamiko could have won the Sussex. I think he could have done. I don't... Could have and would have can be very different things. Is it possible Kamiko would have won the Sussex with a clear run? Yes. Would I hold that opinion strongly and would I stake anything on it? No. Because, let's be fair as well, Mahatha did not get a clean run through as well. I thought, I thought the race was over at one point. You know, he wasn't getting a gap. Then when he was angled out and it came, just so he could... I think he might have had a job on, Jim. I think Kamiko might have had a job on. I'd be surprised if he doesn't win another group one by the end of the season because I think they can, I think they can up him in trip. The flexibility and the option is there to run him over 10. You know, he, if they want to keep him at a mile, which, you know, would make sense as well. But he's not quite like Mahatha where he's just a sole miler, which is a bit different because Kamiko's actually never ran over 10 furlongs. But you'd be surprised, you'd be surprised if we didn't see him over that distance at some stage. And in a little bit of a... It's a sort of season, mate, where actually, if you look at the middle distance brigade, they're all primarily 12 furlong horses. You know, so the, the champion stakes might be very winnable this year. Who, who could go there? You know, I'd, I'd expect to see Magical line up in that yeah. rather than the Ark. And Kamiko, maybe the champion stakes would be a better end of season target than the QE2. That, that could be certainly. I was thinking along the lines of, for Kamiko, Judmont next, maybe. Interesting, mate. Is, is Gayaf going there? Yeah, because I think that'd be a fascinating. Gayaf versus Kamiko. Um, because surely Qatar won't let uh, team tactics get played again. And what let Gayarth go out in front? Maybe they might turn into the O'Briens of this world, Qatar, and uh, send a horse to go and light up Gayarth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, on the Thursday, mate, uh, again, the, the final group one of the meeting was the Nassau Stakes. And the classic winner, Fancy Blue Jim, uh, got the job done. Another win for Donica O'Brien. Proper top-class filly, this. She appears so, and although she doesn't win her races by long long distances, she she still manages to just find a way to keep her head in front. Um, just go through her wins. She's won by half a length. She won by a head, a short head, and now make it a neck. And even if you go back to that second, it was only by two lengths. Um I mean, I, I was nothing but impressed with her in this Nassau. I thought Ryan Moore gave her an absolute peach of a ride. She just sat behind Magic Wand, who set the fractions out in front. And she still looked slightly green, I thought, because uh, that, that bend at Goodwood at the top and then the cutaway comes. It's a bit... For three-year-olds that aren't as well campaigned as others, it's it's difficult for them to sort of get a grasp on and 
and uh, she, she took a bit of niggling and, and when she picked up the bridle again she travelled into the race supremely well um, I think the ground was possibly slightly lively for her as well I think I think a bit of dig underfoot would probably improve her another three or four pounds uh, and also stepping up in trip she'd certainly be interesting um, I think she's she's top class really this season uh, over a mile and two and probably they'll probably aim for the arc with a I know that they've got a massive Magnum and Tabor have got Love who's dominated the division over a mile and four but it'll be interesting to see where Fancy Blue lies up with her Yeah, best press 14 to 1 for the arc do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair enough 14 is generous enough I think I, 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 It'd be the price I'd quote to be fair Yeah If, if, if someone said to me blind, you know Blindly come up with a price of Fancy Blue for the act. I don't think she'll win it. I don't think she'll win it. But look, she, she's won two group ones this season, both against her own sex. And, you know, she's she's very, very likeable, graphs well, and is evidently a top class filly. In behind, I was, I can't deny I was disappointed by Magic Wand. Thought this race really was hers to lose. Uh, Probably be, you know, the winner's probably the most progressive one in it, but in terms of solid form, Magic One held the strongest profile coming into it. Uh, Nazif probably wants to return to a mile. Career best from one, one voice, though, Jim, running the winner very close. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and uh, that fifth in the kill by was probably slightly a, a, a step backwards, and having previously won that Blue Wind Group 3. Uh, beating what looked like a decent enough field. Um, however, she she held tough in there, and Marquand got the best out of her late on, and come with a right late rattle. Um, Fancy Blue fans was probably slightly worried, but she always had a bit more in hand, and I'm sure there'll be Group Twos to pick up with one voice throughout the season. And two short price winners for. Uh, shake Hamdan over the past two, over the last two days of the meeting as well. Batash and Embiha both getting the job done at short odds. Uh, your analysis of those two, Jim? I guess we didn't learn anything new, but the, you know, the two very, very, very good horses and we're seeing conditions that play to the strengths perfectly. Batash, what beats him? Um, I tell you what, though. The, the, the non thought this year could be absolutely fascinating. If What's cracking? Um, Chucky knew better believe it in it at this rate. Uh, I read the other day. Um, you've got Golden Power of Wesley Ward, is it? Uh, you've got Art Power of the Easterbees. Um, the Northern boys aren't going to let Batash run away with their main event this year without a difficult enough race. But Batash in the King George was mightily impressive as he is breaking the track record. He's just an absolute speedball and don. And I've gone from trying to poke holes in him all the time to just accepting him that he is probably just top class in this division now. Uh, there's nothing really here to challenge him. Uh, Glass Slippers and Ornate have run with credit in this, having backed Ornate early on in the week <laughs> uh, <coughs> to see him finishing a close. Second in, the, in in this race was a slight stab in the heart, but we move on. We love on it. Um, but Glass Slippers showed more promise than uh, what she did in the Kings and the uh, Ascot. Sorry, um, 
So, I, I mean, and, and the other Sheikh Hamdan horse, Mbihar, just got the job done in what was slightly disappointing renewal of Lily Langtry having only two runners against her with Manuela de Vega withdrawn in the morning. So, yeah, I mean, Sheikh Hamdan's had some year this year and he's got some absolutely outstanding horses and hopefully we'll, we'll see a lot more of them. Yeah, and obviously, Jim, the big race on the Saturday, he got the job done. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I'm going to claim it as a victory, Jim, because I, I don't no. need to say Summer Gandhi each way on no. the podcast, because to me, it's as natural as breathing. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't tell all the listeners to lock the door that night. You know what I mean? I don't need to tell them to back Summer Gandhi each way, because it's just what you should be doing as a sensible human being. And 22 to 1, it finally pays off. Up the boy. Yeah, and not a lot to say about from this. Uh, good old. Tell you what, though, mate, it's, it's it's a real effort winning a big handicap sprint off top weight. That doesn't happen often. No, nine stone ten. Uh, Todd up, gave him an absolute peach. He got the gaps when he needed them, um, and absolutely flew on. I mean. My eye catcher from this race that I think he'll be winning one soon. I think he went in everyone. The, the two that I marked down were Swindler and Miras. Miras did a lot of the donkey work on that far side with not a lot else really came with him. Kiwi 5 took the lead off, off him late on. But I thought Miras ran with credit uh, and Swindler, who's who's been a bit of a monkey in recent years. Very well named. Yeah, he is, and I mean, if he'd have just got a few more gaps and wasn't as messed around with, I think he would have run. Probably might have even got even closer than what he did. But Summergand, cracking effort, good lad. About time he wins one of them. And I think he's entered in a Group Three at the Cur on Sunday, if I remember rightly. Won't put it past him. Won't put it past him. Brian the Snail as well. Heroic effort to finish third at 66 to one. One day, one day, Brian the Snail will win. I <laughs> a huge a, price on my dad. We'll kick ourselves. You are. My dad took a pound off me, right? Because what did I what did I tip in the race? Uh, I think I I said Mr. Lupton will beat Brian the Snail, and, and my dad was like, "I'll have Brian the Snail." Sounds hilarious. Uh, so I had to give him a pound because he beat Mr. Lupton. <laughs> Furious. They also saw three very, very good two-year-old Colts win at Glorious Goodwood. Like I say, probably... I guess it's not the most... It's not the uh, most interesting revelation to suggest that the two-year-olds we see at Glorious Goodwood sometimes are better than the ones at Royal Ascot given... That especially this season, given that more of them have had a chance to run. But in Battleground, Steel Bull and uh, Supremacy, the three, the winners of the three uh, two-year-old group races, they're not far off the very best we've seen this season. I especially like Battleground, Jim. Yeah, you can't not. He's very likeable. As we mentioned, bred from Supermare and... Uh... I mean, he looks like a three-year-old as well. That's what's even more exciting. We've been drawn into the recent years of seeing Pinatubu and uh, Two Darn Hot looking, being amazing two-year-olds and not quite looking like 
they could progress into a three-year career, but he certainly does. Um, I mean, out of the three to two-year-olds that, that won, I'd possibly... I was more impressed with Supremacy in the Richmond. Um, I know that over a different distance. But I think the form of that race is, is bang on. I, I think that's the best two-year-old race we've seen in England so far. Um, and he's absolutely blitzed the field. I thought the fact that the rail will have certainly helped him early on, and but it was that last couple of that last furlong where he stretched away from them, absolutely battering them. And I, I think the step up in trip again, well, seven furlongs will be will be even better. Um, and Steel Bull has tipped up by me at six to one. Well that's done. The, that's the first bit of tipping I think I've got right this flat season. Uh, you were very keen, mate, and you got it very right. I know, and he's once again entered once again. Sorry, at the weekend uh, in the Phoenix, and he's been bought by New Connections, which really didn't surprise me. Uh, he showed a serious turn of turn of foot to win that, and thank God I got one of these races right. I was beginning to doubt myself. And I haven't had a nice winner on here for a while. We're never in doubt, Jim. We're never in doubt. Uh... Other miscellaneous races from Goodwood, I guess. Ward Master got the job done in the Oak Tree Stakes. Again, didn't look likely, but she's just so likeable. And Tilsit, very, very decent horse, Jim. Shouldn't have gone off 10 to 1. I found the drift on him. In a race where, like I was trying to explain on the preview pod, where you've got three horses who are all unexposed winners of, you know, either novice races, I guess Colusi's winning the Britannia had so much form, so much more substance to it. But what Tilsit and my old brother did in winning their novices impressively, I was surprised he was such a disparity and such market confidence behind Calusi, even though I thought he was the likeliest winner. Look, it's, it's hindsight, and I say I don't really bet myself now. But, again, I found it, it was one of the ones where you watch the line and you see, you watch him cross the line and you see the SP up and you think, Tilsit? Tens? Really? How have they let him go off that price? Uh, good also, mate. Should he have kept it? Um, I don't think so. And, uh, and that may be biased because I fancied Oberon. Um, and I did yes, back definitely biased. And I had him, and I had him in a double with, <laughs> with, uh, the other Haggis horse that I mentioned. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. He would have won the race anyway. Exactly, so he should keep it. But Oberon was always finding a bit more, so it would have been interesting. There's nothing Ryan Mark could have done about it. Um, I mean, the horse has just hung in, and you've sort of just got to accept it. I mean, any other country, and they've been chucked out, and this is the debate that's been rivaling on for weeks. Um it's in fits and starts, I think. So it favours you sometimes, it favours you doesn't. But I'm in the camp of Kevin Blake. That for the rules to change, there's going to have to be a serious injury or someone fatally died, sadly, for them to even even think about changing the rules. And it's it needs to be solid. We've seen in, I think the last couple, I think Luke Harvey made a point on Sky Sports Racing today that. 80% of the time that they get appealed, 
they get away with it. 80%. So that means you appeal it every time and you, you get the opportunity to get off with a riding offence that you've done wrong, that you've done wrong. 80%. Well, I think it's actually, I uh, I was on a call with Lynn Williams this week, he was one of the top stewards of the BHA, and I think he said last year there was 18, 18 appeals to uh, uh, to bans uh, or results changing, and I think he said it was perfect 9 and 9, a 9 and 9 split, but he said that's what he wanted because stewards' opinions are subjective and and he, he said, you know, don't take that as stewards getting things wrong. He, he said it's just a different interpretation of what we've yeah. seen. And he ran us through some of the incidents as well. And and the people who were on who were on the scheme, they were almost always 50-50. Like we looked at the uh, the protectorate and Imperial Alcazar, was it, on New Year's Day? Yeah. And it's so, the, the the rules are almost so fluid that the cases that reasonable cases can be made for both things. I do think on I do think on this one this is a little bit of a different a different scenario to the Kevin Blake one in, to the Kevin Blake point in terms of jockey safety. Whereas I like that we don't have the American system. I was watching Saratoga on a on Saturday, you should be impressing me, Jim. I'm watching. I've been watching Stateside three I, times this week. I can't believe you've done that. <laughs> I know there's not even the American Grand National on or anything, uh, but there was there was their their Grade Two of the Bowling Green Stakes, and the winner of uh, the winner of the race was. It wasn't by the biggest of margin, but he was quite clearly always in control. You know. The, the runner-up was never getting to within a half length of him because he slightly interfered with the fourth. And it was minor. It was something that wouldn't have raised an inquiry in Britain, I don't think. It was placed fourth. And I just, I, you know, I, 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 don't, I didn't quite feel sick, but I was just watching it and it just felt so deflating that you think, well, that's shite. That's a really poor way to police your riding. Well, it's that's like all, a Kentucky derby last year. It's horrific, mate. I it's yeah, it it it, aggra- it, 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 it aggravated because in no way it benefits no one. Yeah, there's been pre- there's been precise and then there's been stupid isn't there? and completely. It's, it's finding that medium that and consistency is probably what is required. And I think that's that's the main issue with most people is that sometimes they get chucked out, sometimes they don't. They, and I know it's subjective as you mentioned already, but it's consistency that. I think everybody, jockeys, trainers, punters, all want to see. It's a very, very, very fair way of putting it, mate. And finally, mate, Mogul, who I... I just didn't rate. I just <laughs> didn't rate. thought he was a slow old boat. What a surprise, Aidan O'Brien knows more about, knows more about his horses than I do. Uh, won the Gordon State Gym. Quite a hot renewal on paper, but was the way it panned out actually slightly disappointing? Yeah, big fat mogul finally got his head in front. Who the thought? <laughs> oh, mate, we're only calling him that from now on. <laughs> I, I, I was sat looking at this race, and I know I tipped English King to all of you listeners out there, but I thought, I'm going to have to back mogul. It, 
Aidan O'Brien must know some. And for many years, I've I think he, Aidan O'Brien knows nothing, and then he's proved me wrong every time. And I've led myself into that corner too many times, and I finally learned from mistakes. And big fat mogul managed to find <laughs> some stamina towards the end. Subjectivist went off at a right gallop, uh, set a proper strong strong pace, and was clear for majority of the race. Even going to the two pole, I still thought he was going to win. Um, I mean, that Hamilton performance last time I thought was good, but I didn't think it was this good. Um, Highland Chiefs ran with more credit in this um, and than he did in the derby. Uh, I mean, Khalifa Sat and English King, you have to say you were disappointed with their performances. Um, uh, I think English King, English King is better than this. Khalifa Sat isn't. Um, I mean, Khalifa Sat was benefited by the way the derby panned out, and as someone who fancied him, you know, each way for the derby, uh, I don't think he's got the most scope in general. And I will happily uh, predict that he won't replicate. You know, he won't be placed in a group one ever again. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Definitely not. Unless he's taking to Germany or Canada. But I tell you what, probably Australia to be fair. They could probably win a middle distance race in Australia. In a in a real not a real country. I don't want to sound <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to dig myself hole. I want to be diplomatic here. But in a country that consistently produces top middle distance performers, Khalifa Sat has no chance of finishing place in another group one. Yeah. English King could. Because I think yeah. he is better than this off what he did at Lingfield. And at Epsom. Mm. He came out very well on the figures at Epsom. He did, he did. But this this was a step backwards, wasn't it? No, this and was then, shite. And, uh, and, <laughs> and I know he, maybe he didn't get the, the gap when he probably wanted it. But I didn't think he had the speed. I thought it was beat a long way out. Um, be interesting to see where they go next with, with him. I thought Mogul, I thought Stoke showed so much stamina towards the end. I thought the St. Ledger would certainly be be the next move that's uh, where I'd go and I'd probably even chuck him up there with the best in St. Ledger yeah I would I think he's got work to do to beat Santiago do you? I think yeah, I'd I do rather, I think I'd rather have Big Fatty <laughs> what about Convict what are you going to win the Ledger? Uh, who? sorry I, f- I forgot who that is <laughs> No, well, you see, I, I did my intelligent thing, like you do with Master Tommy Ticker. Tommy Ticker? Mr. Tommy Ticker? Master Tommy Ticker? But I tipped a horse away. Knew was never going to run this season. No, I'm joking. I'd, I'd like to see Satoru Japan out soon, because I really, really liked him, to be fair. I bet he's in Japan or Hong Kong or something. And I've, I've, never, I've, I don't, I've not clocked it. Uh, but I hope you see him. And you can't have a Derby. <laughs> You can't have a go at Watson for calling Mogul Big Fatty as well after what after Mick Fitzgerald calling that horse a dirty pig yesterday. <laughs> that was superb. I love that so much. Well, I'm 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 never one to you know because I know they're all they're all someone's pride and joy. I I wouldn't like it if a professional on racing TV slated my horse like that. If in fact, Jim, I was more insulted at the fact that 
if Mick Fitzgerald was going to call a horse a dirty pig at any point this week. So wonderful run on Wednesday. <laughs> God. God. That's not a pig, it's a dog. Oh, no. Oh, no. One day, one day, she might win a maiden. A seller at Dundalk. This weekend, pal, like we said, it's a little bit light on the British front, but shall we start there? Uh, the Sweet Solera, Jim, uh, for the three-year-old fillies, and 74-5 Miss Helen, 4-2 on Dubai Fountain, 5 Daniel over 11-2 Satahi, 8 Spirit of Bermuda, and then you can get 33-1. Bar them. What do you make of this race, Jim? Fly Miss Helen, impressive winner on debut. I, I, yeah, I think it's fascinating. Um, obviously, that debut by Fly Miss Helen was was very impressive. Um, shows a serious turn of foot in, in. I think the race at Newbury that day wasn't um, a lot of horses towards the front sort of got away with the pace slightly more, and the hold-up horses struggled. Uh, but Fly Miss Helen certainly didn't struggle being held up mid mid division and. She had a serious turn of foot late on. Um, I mean, the form of the race is, is arguably questionable. Uh, we saw Sarsaparilla uh, finish third in a, in a Phillies maiden at, at Goodwood the other day, and she's beginning to look slightly uh, exposed. Uh, the form in behind, we haven't seen an awful lot of, but I don't think it's it's going to be that good. But the performance on her own was was impressive. I think seven to four is a, a, a short price about her. I'd probably be lucky to take her on, but I f- fully respect that she could arguably be the best of these. Who are you looking to take her on then with? Like you mentioned, you, you like the form of Fever over. Uh, so, and the second of her third behind her in the star state doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've always been a fan of Satahi. Um, from a debut, I thought she did a lot wrong at Newmarket and then I thought she did a lot wrong again in the Albany and stepping stepping up to seven furlongs last time she I thought she'd come to uh have a serious challenge on the outside. She was quite keen early on, so that that'd probably be my slight negative about her here. Hopefully she settles a bit better. Uh Ross Ryan's riding uh a back spirit of Bermuda the other week at Goodwood. I thought she she was interesting that they were picturing her into Group 3 company so quickly from that Goodwood Phillies race. I mean, she, she was gritty. Um, I don't think Marquand was overly hard on her towards the end. Uh, and there was a lot of rum race horses that were to the front that day and, and some slightly disappointing performances. And from Miss Chess, for example, I think Spirit of Bermuda is interesting that Haggis is pitching her in so so high so, so early. And I think Daniel Lover... Um, was impressive in that in that Phillies novice stakes last time, uh, having been second at Newmarket behind uh, Wedding Dance, who has since come out and finished second in a Group Three at Doville. Uh, Nash Nash has also won at Lingfield previous, prior to that. Uh, I, th- I think probably I can't believe that she's been given a rating of 88. To be honest, I thought she'd been given a bit higher. Uh, however, I was impressed with how she did a, a performance last time at Newmarket, and I think at Newmarket once again, I think she could be competitive in each way of value. That's very fair, mate. So, would, would she be your selection? 
Yeah, I, I, I think five to one scummy each way. Value. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. That's what the listeners want. We want scumminess. Oh, of course. And if I mean, if they want to come for scum, there's no man better to talk to than James Watson. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'd, I think I'd slightly side with Dubai Fountain. I think the form of the Star Stakes is probably going to end up being pretty tidy. I think she bumped into a pretty decent one in Fevrover and acquitted herself with credit there. Four to one's very reasonable, and she'd be the fractional pick. It's not a race I've got the world's strongest opinion on, though, mate. Uh, moving on to the Sunday, uh, the Phoenix Stakes, you might have said, group one. And this is probably the first big clash of the top two-year-olds so far this season. Uh do you have any prices? Because I don't at the minute. Um, I do. Good uh, man. I think I loaded up Odds Checker early on to have a look if that was the problem, and now it's disappeared. Superb. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't find any at the minute, but I can run through the sort of horses that are run. I, I've, got, I've got them. I've got them. Oh, good uh, man. Steel Bull, 9-4. The Learjet, 7-2. Ventura Tormenta, 11-2. Uh, Lucky Vega sixes, Law of Indices is sevens, Giorgio Vasari eights with Mother Earth and Admiral Nelson, uh, Swiss eights nine, and St. Mark's Basilica twelves. I mean, you were very keen on a steel ball to win the Malcolm Jim. Does he back it up here? Um, this is certainly tougher. Um, with that response, that's a that's a no. I'm not that confident that he will here. Um, stepping up to six furlongs, I think he will get six furlongs. It's it's the turnaround for me. It's it's a fairly quick turnaround. Um, I mean, he he did do the Malcolm pretty impressively. Um, he was held up, and maybe maybe the fact that the horses that had more form weren't. More to the front was slightly disappointed as Ben McDewey had only run once before. International Dream had been running in competitive races but wasn't expected to be there or thereabouts. Maybe if other horses in behind, like significantly, uh, were probably slightly a bit closer, maybe would have been more interested. But um, at the prices, I don't think Steel Bulls are as generous as what I'd expect. I'd probably have gone a slight bit bigger than, than 9-4 to four, uh, in, in what looks like a really good renewal this year. Yeah, mate, I, I, I can't complain with that, to be fair. Uh, I think Steel Bull's a likely winner. I think the one at the price that's catching my eye is Ventura Tormenta, who I mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, when finishing fifth in the superlative. Then... He then went on and backed up in the Papan, beating the Learjet, who everyone thought was an absolute superstar this season. Do you not think that Papan race what sort of went a bit under the radar? No one really knew about it. Well, I certainly didn't. No one really recognised or knew when it was running. It it sort of got lost in in all the action this season. Quite uh, honestly, lost in translation. Then I was going to say, Jesus Christ, Jim, even in the middle of summer. <laughs> You can't, you can't not have a podcast without Breeders' Cup and Lost in Translation. That's me, that's me in a sentence. Um, but it's interesting Richard Hannon sends 
Ventura Tormento over here, beating the Learjet last time, uh, is double the price of the Learjet as well. And I think just the fact that maybe he's not as flashy as the Learjet's form is, is probably the only reason. Uh, showed plenty of grit and determination to just hold off the Learjet last time by a short head. And I think that 11-2, once again, scummy each, each way. Double with Danny Lover, who's probably where I'll be playing this weekend. Yeah, I don't think... Well, on, on the run in France, is very, very little between the Lear Jet and Ventura Tormento. <laughs> I, I really like the Lear Jet at Ascot. And I, I, I'm a fan of Ventura Tormento as well. He's, he's a proper, proper game animal, isn't he? You know, he wanted it in the Robert Papan. I'm not sure though now that not not as if they didn't have respect for him, but maybe now more that the Leah Jets team have already had the nose blooded slightly by Ventura Tormenta, whether they'll be a little bit wiser as to how he did it last time. And if they possess a horse with more ability they might be able to uh to stop it reoccurring. I think stealable wins is so, mate. Yeah. Well, hopefully for the Gonzalez, whatever, I can't remember his second name, who's, who's recently purchased him, hopefully he can. I mean, he's, I wouldn't be surprised if he got if he won, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got beat either. Um, I think it's the turnaround that's my main main problem. Um, hopefully we've, we've, he's had two very quick races together and to run a third within the space of two weeks jumping him into a group one just gives me slight question mark yeah that's very fair mate and I guess the main European group one of the weekend is at Deauville it's the pre-Morris de Greece over an extended uh, six furlongs Jim do you have a list of runners up I do uh, Earth Knight heads the field at two to one Golden Horde is fives Space Blue six Lopi Fernandez sevens Hello, Humes in nines, Witchy to tens, Wooded twelves, fourteen to one. The rest of the field. I mean, based off that, mate, I, I think her flight's likely to win her. Yeah, and I think two to one's reasonable. But you are getting fair prices about. Group one horses over this trip, which might make me want to play away from the favourite. Does that strategy make sense to you? Yeah, uh, perfectly understandable. I, I do think Earthlight's a good price, but I do think everything else in the race is also a good value too. Um, I mean, Earthlight had a nice reappearance in that listed race at Deauville. Certainly showed that he's still got somewhat of the potential that he had as a two-year-old when winning the Marnie uh, and the Middle Park. Um, he, he's beaten Golden Lord twice, so I don't see why he won't beat him once again. Um, but, I mean, I keep coming back to it, but he's so consistent in game. Hello, Hume's in nine to one. He, I think each way is perfectly understandable price. Uh, there's been a bit of movement in the market for him in the last couple of days. I think you're a bit bigger. I think he was around twelves. Um, I mean, I think. Kevin Ryan's done a superb job with him this season. We saw him uh, at Ascot get a Group 1 for Kevin Stott and maybe in the July Cup he wasn't uh, maybe at his best. But I had question marks about him on, on the track. 
Uh, I think th- this this was at Deauville will certainly be no issue, and uh, I think he's probably a decent enough each way price. Lopi Fernandez ran well behind Pinatubo last time, uh, and he's probably respected as well. And as I mentioned, I was impressed with Space Blues in the Lennox. I think I think the Morris de Geese is six furlongs and 120 yards, something like that. So it's six and a half furlongs. I think I think that will certainly suit him that, that the, the distance is more towards the seven furlong region than the six furlong. Um, and I think he's interesting. I've... I, I, been trying to look to take on Earthlight, but I think two to one's a too generous price about him at the minute. Yeah, I kind of think of the thing in a similar way. Where I can see Hello Humes aim running well. I'd rather be with him at the prices than Space Blues, if I'm honest. I can see Golden Horde going well again, but you just you just kind of come to the conclusion that whilst there's a lot of a hundred and you know, hundred and nineteen, hundred and twenty type horses in this. If there's one who could be one, two, five, it's got to be Earthlight. Yeah. And that's why he might he's probably the most solid bet. I would be interested to see what the final field ends up as old Jim and see whether we can we can find something interesting each way because nine to one about Hello Humes is very reasonable. Yeah. Uh Anything else you'd like to mention this weekend? It's the, the roads of Lancaster Stakes on at Haydock on a on Saturday. Global Giant uh, heads are betting there. Generally eleven to ten. Zaki and extra elusive also in that uh, a race with a horrendous name. I know I get angry about races and being named after sponsors. Don't like races named after Lancashire. Jesus Christ. Uh, and there is still a race at Ascot that has the word Shergar Cup in it, uh, so we'll make sure not to watch that. Uh, anything from you, mate? Um, there's the, the Run Happy Travis Stakes in Saratoga, which sees the return of Tis the Law, having previously won the Belmont Stakes impressively. Um, he should be winning that, to be brutally honest. Um, hopefully I'll be home from working time to, to watch him. Uh, just looking through the tracker, a miss entered on Saturday. Uh, he's interesting. interesting. Uh, and then on Sunday, there's a decent group three at Salisbury, which sees Kinross and Positive uh, look to try and get the three-year-old careers back on track against some older horses. Uh, that's the Sovereign Sticks. Uh, accidental agents in there, Dark Vision, Happy Power, uh, it's, it's quite a decent enough race. Regal Reality in there, Zaki, Tabarak. It's full of depth, and, and I think the two three-year-olds get, get the weight allowance. I think they'll be fairly competitive as well. Yeah, that's very fair. I also, I'm going to have to mention the jumps because he's a very, very good novice chase at your Toxio. <laughs> On Saturday evening, uh, three ho- four horses only rated 130 plus. All about jumping, which you don't see often in August, Jim, to be fair. You let me have this one. Longhouse sale up against Leap Away, Pacify and Time to Chill. That's a very, very tidy novice chase for the summer jumps. So I'll be looking forward to that. Pacify, probably the selection he made hay over the summer uh, as a novice herd for last season. And hopefully this looks like a decent little opportunity in quite a good race, to be fair. Longhouse sale was very impressive winning on his debut at Stratford. Uh, that's it from me though, mate, this week. 
Yeah. RRTR Naps. And Naps. Uh, my nap for the weekend. Yeah, let's go. Let's go pacify. <laughs> nap for the weekend in a eutoxicant of his chase in the middle of summer. Lovely. Why not? Why not? Longhouse sale was very, very tidy, to be fair. Uh, I'll go next best, Jim. We'll, we'll stay Team Turf Talk. Let's go positive. Yeah. Positive. Yeah, if, if it implicates what it is in the St. James's Palace, it should be winning that. Yeah. Well, it should be winning respect that. Respect that. And my reserve is probably going to be Global Giant as a short price, but he should win. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what about you, mate? The three races that we've talked about, I might go for my three naps. Um, we'll go... We'll nap Earthlight. I think he's got a good chance, but if he bombed, if he got beat, I won't be surprised. Um, next best, we'll go Ventura to mentor and reserve down all over. Nice one, mate. Very fair shouts. Uh, that's it from us as well. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning into Turf Talk this week. Uh, make sure you go and follow Rating the Races and that. There's a lot of work. The website is going to be coming soon. Uh, I'm I'm putting a lot of work into it, to be fair. I'm sending DMs off, trying to get interviews, trying to get a bit of content out ready to launch. So hopefully people are looking forward to that. Hopefully it's worthwhile. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully uh, we've not bored you to tears. And we'll see you again next week. See you later. <laughs>